0: Easter today is a great day because today is the day that we remember, that we rejoice, that we reflect, and that we celebrate that the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive. He is risen redemption. He is risen indeed. He is risen. And all God's people typed in the comment section, He is risen indeed. Happy Easter. My name's Byron. I get the great privilege to serve here as the lead pastor, and I'm so excited for Redemption Online and Easter at Home. Today is Easter. I know it may not feel like Easter, but hey, today is Easter, and we're still going to celebrate together as a church. Whenever the COVID-19 broke out and all of the news started happening about places being closed and events being canceled, people asked me, they said, Pastor Byron, what does this mean for Easter? Does this mean that Easter is going to be canceled? And I said, no, because you can't cancel Easter. Satan tried to cancel Easter 2,000 years ago, and he couldn't do it, which means the coronavirus can't cancel Easter either. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive, and so we are going to celebrate. But Easter is going to be a little bit different. There's a lot of traditions this Easter that are going to look different. Some of my favorite traditions, they look different. What traditions do you have that this year they look a little bit different? I'll share with you some of my favorite Easter traditions that we were unable to celebrate together this year. Every Easter, what we like to do is we like to get together and have a Passover Seder with some friends in our community group. But this year it was canceled. Every Good Friday, since we've been to church, we've had Good Friday worship nights. But this year, guess what? They were canceled. On Saturdays before Easter, we normally go over to my grandparents' house and we have a big Easter egg hunt for all of the kiddos. My papa, he makes barbecue, but because of social distancing and my grandparents are at risk, this year our family Easter gathering is canceled. Normally, we have three services on Easter Sunday and it's one of the biggest, the largest, the most packed services out of the entire year, but due to quarantine and the stay-at-home orders, we were under able to have our Easter Sunday service celebration. Okay, it was not canceled, but it does look a little bit different. My wife's favorite Easter tradition is that she likes to get all of us dressed up in very funny clothes and take very embarrassing pictures of our daughter, so she could post them on Instagram with a hashtag, he is risen. Normally, I have to wear a shirt with buttons. But if you notice today, my shirt does not have buttons, which means her favorite Easter tradition has also been hashtag canceled, but Easter's not canceled. Easter just looks a little bit different. Normally we have church all together in person, but we can't do that today. So we're going to have church together, not in person, but online. One of my biggest dreams since we planted Redemption Church is that we would be one church in multiple locations. And so today a part of that dream is able to come true because today we are one church in hundreds of locations all across Southeast Texas. And so I want to welcome you from one of our locations. For those of you who are watching in our living room location, welcome to Redemption Online. For those of you who are watching in our dining room or our kitchen location, let us know in the comments where you're watching from. Welcome to Redemption Online. For those in the backyard, in our porch or patio locations, welcome to Redemption Church. Those of you who are in the bedroom location, hey, we'll have baby dedications in nine months. Welcome to Redemption Online. And those of you who are watching from the bathroom location, you got this. We're praying for you. Make sure you wash your hands. Welcome to Redemption Online Easter at home. Easter isn't canceled. It just looks a little bit difference I was talking to a pastor friend of mine the other day and he was asking me he said Byron what are you going to be preaching on Easter Sunday and I said you know what I don't know and we had this conversation on Wednesday I mean that's how fast everything's changing on Wednesday I didn't know what I was going to, to preach And so we had this conversation and I told him, I said, originally I had a sermon planned called 10 Reasons for the Resurrection. And it was going to be an apologetic sermon. And it was going to be talking about why we can believe in the resurrection. I had a really cool, clever sermon title for that message. You know what it was called? Okay. Y'all know me that I have the best sermon titles. It was called 10 Reasons for the Resurrection. It was clever, I know. But given the circumstances of the situation in life that we're in, it just didn't feel very relevant. And that's not to say that the resurrection is not relevant. As we're going to see in a moment, the resurrection is very relevant to what we're facing today. But I felt like many of you probably have something else on your heart. And I believe that God had something else that he wanted me to share. So I started thinking about it and I started wondering, is there a pastor that I know who's been in a situation very similar to the situation that we're in? A pastor who wants to be with this church, but he can't. And it's not because he is unwilling, it's because he is unable and it's because it's unsafe. Is there a pastor who's been in a similar situation to this and is there a word that he could give me to be able to encourage you? And I began to think about it and then I realized, yes, there is a pastor who has been through exactly the same situation. His name is... Peter, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter one. Pastor Peter, he was in a very similar situation that we're in, and if you don't know this and you're new to the Bible, Peter he was actually one of Jesus's disciples. He was Jesus's right hand man through his life and his ministry, and in fact, Peter was at the very first Easter Sunday. Peter he saw Jesus be crucified. He saw Jesus hanging on a cross. Peter. Witness Jesus being buried Peter understands what it's like on that silent Saturday when it feels like all hope is lost and then Peter heard the good news that Jesus had been resurrected from the dead that the stone had been rolled away and that the tomb was empty and Peter had to see it for himself and so Peter he runs down to the empty tomb and all he finds is grave clothes and a resurrected Jesus Peter understands something about that very first Easter Peter knows the power of the resurrection, and Peter, after the resurrection, he actually became a pastor. And he began pastoring a church. It's the church that we get to know in the book of Acts. And the church is growing by thousands. People are getting saved all of the time. People are getting baptized. People are experiencing life change through Jesus. And as the church continues to grow, things are looking really good up until about Acts chapter 8. And then something happens. Something that is known as the diaspora. What that word means is the dispersion. That his church was no longer able to meet together in person because it was unsafe for them. The reason it was unsafe for them is because there was a persecution that was happening where they were facing the potential of death simply for being a Christian and gathering together. And so as the persecution came their way, they were unable to meet in person. We understand what it was like back then. Just so you know, what we're experiencing right now may be foreign to us, but it is not foreign to the church. That the church has been here for 2,000 years. We have survived plagues and pandemics and persecution. And every time we have come out better, we have come out bigger and we have come out stronger because when the world is at its darkest, the church shines the brightest. And so Peter, he understands where we're at. They had a persecution and they couldn't meet because of the possibility of death. You and me, it may not be persecution, but we do have a pandemic. We have COVID-19, the pandemic facing the possibility of disease, which maybe leads to death and we can't be together. And it's not because we are unwilling, but it's because we are unable and it's because, well, it is unsafe. So I began to read the book of Peter, and I began to listen to Pastor Peter. And I began to wonder, if I were Pastor Peter, what word would I give to encourage the church? and so Peter does something brilliant. Peter uses the technology of the day to be able to encourage his church. Now, Peter's technology is similar to ours, but it's a little bit different. Do you know what Peter's technology is? A pen and paper. He sits down and he writes a letter. He can't be with them in person, but he can still encourage them, and so he uses the technology of the day, pen and paper, to write them a letter. If Peter were here today, he would be using Facebook Live and YouTube, and so we're just Taking a page from Pastor Peter, and instead of being in person, we're going to be together online. He writes them a letter, and so I want to preach to you a sermon, but there's something more than just the letter. It's the message of the letter. His church is suffering. His church is hurting, and he wants to be with him, but he can't, so he writes a letter to encourage them, and do you know what the word Pastor Peter gives them at the beginning of the letter? It's the same word that I want to give to you today. And it's this word right here. It's this word, hope. Peter wants to give his church hope. I want to give my church hope. If you're watching today, I want to give you hope. I want to give you hope for today. I want to give you hope for tomorrow. I want to give you hope for the future because when you have hope, everything changes. Your life changes. Your perspectives change. The way that you go through hard times and difficult times, it changes because hope changes everything. So today, I want to give you hope. How many of you could go for a little bit of hope right now? When you turn on the TV, there's not a lot of hope when you watch the news there's not a lot of hope when you scroll through social media there's not a lot of hope when you talk to your friends or when you go to work or when you listen to the world around you there's not a whole lot of hope and so instead of listening to the world let's listen to the word instead of bad news and fake news and false news let's go to the book that is the good news the book that gives us hope if you have your Bibles turn with me to first Peter chapter 1 I'm gonna read it all up front and then I want to give you hope I want to give you hope for today. I want to give you hope for tomorrow. And I also want to give you hope for the future. Listen to the words that Pastor Peter says to his church. He says in verse one, Peter, an apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ to those who are elect exiles in the dispersion. They can't be together in person because they are dispersed in Pontus, in Galatia, in Cappadocia, in Asia, and in Bithynia. Today, we would say it like this. To Redemption Online, the church that is quarantined, in Beaumont, and in Mid-County, in Orange, in Lumberton, and in Vidar. To the church that is quarantined, I write to you, and here's what he says in verse 2. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, in the obedience to Jesus Christ for the sprinkling of His blood, blood. He's talking about the Easter message. He goes on and says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God of our father and our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. There's our word right there. There's the word that we want to leave you with today. We want to give you the word hope, but it's not just any hope. It is a living hope. It's not a out there in the distance hope. It is a living hope. It is not a dead and buried hope it is a living hope it's not a hope that you lose because it is a living hope he gives a living hope how through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Happy Easter redemption. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Peter says, if there is one thing that I could give my church, this is the one thing that I would give them. I would give them hope. If there's one thing that you need now more than ever before, it's this word right here, hope. If I could encourage you with one thing tell you to hold on to one thing if I could give you one thing this is the one thing that I would give you hope and here's the reason why because when life gets hard it's easy for us to lose our hope we all know this right now that when life gets hard it's easy to lose your hope right now it's an easy time for you to lose your hope when you lose your job it's easy to lose your hope When you fall sick, it's easy to lose your hope. When you get tested, it's easy to lose your hope. When someone you love is at risk, it's easy for you to lose your hope whenever you check the stock markets, right now it's easy for you to lose your hope. When you look into your bank account and you're overdrafted again and bills are due, it's easy for you to lose your hope. When you're considered essential and you have to go to work but the schools are closed, who's going to watch the kids? It's easy to lose your hope. When your marriage is struggling, it's easy for you to lose your hope. When you check on the news and you realize that Chick-fil-A has closed, what's going on in the world? It's easy for you to begin to lose your hope. When life gets hard, it's easy for us to lose our hope. And Peter wants you to know that you don't have to lose, lose your hope as long as you have a living hope. That as Christians, we do not hope in the ways of this world. We have a hope that is bigger. We have a hope that is greater. We have a hope that is stronger. We have something more. We don't have a dead hope. We don't have a false hope. We don't have a it's in the grave hope. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, we have a living hope. It's so important for us right now as the church to hold on to our living hope. I just want to encourage you right now, especially on this Easter Sunday, let's refocus our hope. Let us remember what our hope is in. Let us remember that as Christians, we don't hope in the government even though we love our elected officials and we pray for our president and we pray for those who are in leadership over us our hope is not in them our hope is in something greater we don't hope in doctors even though we pray for the medical profession even though we pray for wisdom and protection and if we get sick we are going to go and they're going to serve us and we are thankful for them but our hope is not in them our hope is not in the stock market our hope is not in our 401k our hope is not in our marriages or our family or our children, though we love them and we pray for them and we want the best for them. We have a hope that does not disappoint. We have a hope that does not let us down. We have a hope that does not fail us nor give up on us. We have a hope that is always going to be there for us. We have a living hope. And as Christians right now, more than ever before, I want to encourage you to hold on to your living hope. And so what I want to do today is I want to give you hope, but not just any kind of hope. I want to give you the hope that is available to you, as Peter says, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I want to give to you a living hope. And here's the great thing about a living hope, is that a living hope is not an event. A living hope is not a day. A living hope is not confined to a building. A living hope depends upon a person. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus wants to give you hope for today. He wants to give you hope for tomorrow. And he wants to give you hope for a future. Look what Pastor Peter writes. He says it like this. He says, blessed be God, The father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. I want you to notice those two words right there. Born again. These words are incredibly important. Circle them, highlight them, underline them. Born again. What Peter's talking about here is not a physical birth. He doesn't say you need to be born again physically because that would be weird. I'm 34 years old. I don't want to be born again physically. He's not talking about a physical birth, but rather he's talking about a spiritual birth. Your first birth was the day that you're born. Your new birth is the day that you are born again. It's a great day when someone that we love has a baby and they're born, but it's even a better day whenever someone is born again. I'm a dad, I have two girls. I was there on the day that both of them were born, and it was one of the greatest days of my life. But as a dad, do you know what I'm praying for? I'm praying for the day that they are born again. And so let me explain to you why being born again is so incredibly important, and it's because of sin. That you and me, we have sinned. We will sin. We will sin again. We have sinned. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous, not even one. The psalmist David says that from my mother's womb, I was born in sin. This is what's known as the doctrine of total depravity. That our nature is bent in towards self and sin. This is the reason that I don't have to teach my daughters how to lie, still cheat, hit one another, and disrespect their mom. They know how to do that. Why? Because they were born in sin. You need to understand that one of the reasons that Jesus came was he was died the death for sin so that you and me, we can be born again. So how are we born again? And what effects does sin actually have on us? Sin is the cause for all of the problems, all of the evil that is in the world. Sin is what you say, what you do, what you think think anything that is contrary to the word and to the will of God. It's anything that separates you from God. It is the cause for war, injustice, famine, plague, violence, and it is even the cause for the coronavirus and the situation that we're in. You say, Pastor Byard, how do you know that? Well, because when God originally created the world, it was not this way. When God made the heavens and the earth, he said, it is good. When God made Adam and Eve our first parents, he said, they are very good. There was no fault, no flaw, there was no failure in him and them because they had no Sin. They walked with God. They were in relationship with God. They were connected with God in the garden. There were no doctors because there was no need for them in the garden. There was no first responders. There was no EMTs, police officers or firemen because there was no need for them in the garden. There was no medication because there was no sickness and there was no disease. And in the garden, there were no coffins because there was no death. But the moment that sin enters into the world is the moment that death comes into the world. And because every single one of us have sins, every single one of us will die. The wages of sin is death. And so you and me, we are born physically, but because of sin, we die physically. And even greater than that, we are dead spiritually. We are disconnected and we are separated from God. And God could have saw us in this state and said, that's their life, that's their choice, that's their decision, and I'm going to leave them as they are. But that's not what God does. Because according to what Peter says, that would not be in the character of God's great mercy. Do you know what that word mercy means? Mercy means when we deserve something bad, but instead we get something good. That we deserve death, but instead God wants to give us life. We deserve judgment and separation, but instead God wants to give us forgiveness and he wants to give us reconciliation back into a relationship with him. This is God's great mercy that he sees us in our sins and he sends his son Jesus to die the death for our sins so that we can be born again. See, God could have looked at me when I was a 20-year-old punk rock, drunk, strung out, depressed, suicidal kid and said, that's Byron's life. That's his choice. I want nothing to do with him. But that's not what God did. According to God's great mercy, he found me in my sins. He found me in my shame. He found me in my guilt. And you know what he did? According to his great mercy, he caused me to be born again. This is the hope of... The resurrection that Jesus would come and he would live the perfect life the life without sin and he would die the painful death in our place the death because of our sins and that Jesus would be buried in the ground for three days. But though Jesus had no sin death could not contain him and on that Sunday morning the stone was rolled away and Jesus stood up victorious conquering Satan sin hell death and the grave and Jesus dies the death for sin so that you and me we can be born again the reason that there is hope for today is there is hope for you there is hope that there is no one who is too far there is no one who has done too much there is no one who has ran far enough away to escape the great mercy that God has for you that no matter who you are no matter where you're at no matter what you have done God has He has a great mercy for you, and he can cause you to be born again. Easter is a reminder of hope today, that your sins can be forgiven, that your past can be erased, and that you can have a brand new life in him. Today is the day of hope. And I would just encourage you right now. If you're watching this and you're listening and you hear this message of being born again and you know that you're not connected with Jesus, could you just go ahead and give your life to Jesus right now? Go ahead and pray a prayer right now. There's a link in the comment section. Don't wait for later when right now is the opportunity for hope for you. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation, that when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. There is hope for you. Today, which leads us to the second point that he also tells us there is hope for tomorrow. The good news about hope is that God doesn't just save us and leave us, but that he is with us. He is with you today on Easter Sunday, and he's going to be with you tomorrow on Monday. Do you know what happens on Monday? It's called life. Do you have one of those? Have you ever experienced that four-letter word, life? Easter Sunday is great, but what happens on the Monday after Easter? As pastors, we like to joke and call it the holy hangover because you experience something really great on Sunday, but then on Monday, you begin to experience life. That's when the boss is calling. That's when emails are piling up. That's when the kids are running around like crazy. That's where you've been wearing your pajamas for three days in a row. And you've watched every single show on Netflix. And H-E-B curbside says, "Uh, there's no pickup delivery today. You know what we call that? We call that life. What happens tomorrow? Well, Peter wants you to know that there is a hope for today, but there's also a hope for tomorrow. Look what he says. He talks about this living hope and he says it like this, that there is a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, normally when we read that word resurrection, what we typically think is someone being brought back to life, which absolutely that is what it means. But what I've discovered is most people confuse resuscitation with resurrection. There is a difference. Resuscitation is when somebody is brought back to life but then they go and they just kind of live their old and normal life. They're brought back to life whether through medical intervention or maybe a divine intervention, but they go back and they live their normal life. Can you think of anybody in the Bible who was resuscitated? Absolutely. In the Old Testament, there were characters who were resuscitated back to life. Even Jesus resuscitated someone. His name was Lazarus. And even Peter resuscitated a woman in the book of Acts, her name was Dorcas, which as a side note, if you're willing to name your daughter Dorcas, go ahead and leave me a comment. I will give you 20 bucks to whoever decides they're going to name their daughter Dorcas. Go ahead. I'll Venmo it to you. But Dorcas, along with several other people in the Bible, they were resuscitated But Jesus wasn't resuscitated. Jesus was resurrected. You say, well, what's the difference? Because Jesus wasn't resurrected into an old life. He was resurrected into a new way of living. Jesus wasn't resurrected into a normal life. He was resurrected into a new way. Because In John, it tells us that Jesus, after he resurrected, he had what is known as a glorified body. It was the same, but it was also different. It wasn't normal. Instead, it was new. This Easter, I want to give you hope for tomorrow that God doesn't want you to go back to your normal life. He wants you to go back to a new life. He doesn't want you to go back to what is old. Jesus died the death for sin, resurrected from the grave, not so you would go back to your old life, but that you would look forward to a new life. Not that you would go back to what is normal, but that tomorrow you would experience new. We don't want normal. The resurrection means we get new. This is why Jesus, he says he gives us a new life. The apostle Paul, he he says that the old is gone and the normal has come no that's not what he says he says the new has come he doesn't say behold i make all things normal no he says behold i make all things new the bible doesn't say that you are a normal creation in christ jesus no it says you are a new creation in christ jesus when jesus resurrected from the grave he also resurrected you from the grave not so that you could go back to live your old normal life, but that you would move forward and you would live a brand new life. Jesus wants to make you new. Because who hopes for normal anyway? No, when we have hope, we hope for something new. Who hopes for a normal job? No, many of you, you're hoping for a new job. Who hopes for a normal GPA? Those of you who are in college and you are taking online classes, this is why you check it every single day after you submit your finals because you're hoping that it is a new GPA. Those of you girls who are single and you've been dating a loser boyfriend and you've been quarantined all alone and you're thinking when this is all over i hope to have a normal boyfriend do not go back to your old boyfriend no you're praying that you get a new boyfriend with a job who doesn't live with his mom you want a new boyfriends you hope not for normal you hope for new those of us who are parents do we hope for normal kids Actually, yes, most parents do hope for normal kids. So the illustration breaks down right there. Like if you, if you hope for new kids, we will pray for you. But if you're hoping for normal kids, the illustration breaks down. But you get what I'm saying. In this season, many of us, we keep finding ourselves saying, I wish things would go back to normal. I wish things would go back to normal. But what if God doesn't want to bring you back to normal? What if God wants to move you forward to what is new? Tomorrow is a new day, which means you get a new opportunity, which means you get to live out a brand new life, that he doesn't want to do what's old in your life. He wants to do what's new in your life. He wants you to have a new purpose with a new passion, with a new destiny with a new direction, with a new power inside of you through the Holy Spirit, with a new identity, the way you see the world and the way that you see yourself, a new community that is the church, a new eternity that is with him in heaven. He doesn't want to give you old. He doesn't want to give you normal. We don't want normal. We want new. Jesus wants to do something new in your life. This Easter, I'm reminded that maybe maybe what we can learn is that he wants to do something new. I don't want to go back to old. Listen, redemption, when all of this is over, I don't want to go back to the way that it was. I don't want to go back to normal because normal was comfortable normal was safe normal was spiritually apathetic normal was lazy normal was routine normal was I forgot to read my Bible for the last three days I don't want to go back to normal I want when we come out of this we have something new that we have a new desire to read the scriptures we have a new desire a hunger for prayer that marriages are made new that families are made new I want to see God do something new in our lives because we don't want normal. The resurrection reminds us that God wants to do something new. If you have a living hope tomorrow, guess what you have? You have a new day, which means you have a new life, which means God wants to do something new. Which leads us to the last point. Not only is hope for today, and not only is hope for tomorrow, but Peter wants us to know is that there's actually hope for the future, When life gets hard, it's easy for you to lose your hope. Right now, the future seems very uncertain. I'm sure that for Peter on that first Easter, the future looked very uncertain. He had spent three years with Jesus, and now he finds out that he's dead, and then he runs to the tomb, and it's empty. For him, the future probably looked very uncertain. And then as he's writing this book, about 30 years after that first resurrection, when his hope was realized that Jesus is alive, he's writing to a church who can't be together and he's encouraging them with hope and he's encouraging them to look forward to the future. Right now, the future seems very uncertain and it might be hard for you to imagine the future. One of the reasons why there's fear and anxiety and worry is because many people are looking towards the future without any hope. Many are imagining a future where God is not on the throne. Many of you are imagining a future where God has lost control. And for that reason, we have lost our hope. What is the future going to look like two weeks from now? Probably a lot like it looks like today. Doing the same thing we're doing today. What does it look like two months from now? I don't know. What does it look like two years from now? Will the economy recover? Will life go back to being the way that it is? The answer is, I don't know. And Peter probably didn't know what was going to happen to his church. And so the hope that he gives us here for the future is not to think two weeks into the future. It's not to think two months into the future. It's not even to think two years in the future. Peter wants you to think bigger. If your hope is for just two years into the future, your hope is too little because you don't have a living hope. He doesn't want you to hope for two months, for two weeks, for two years, he wants you to look forward to two billion years into the future. You say, but Byron, I don't know what the future holds. When you don't know what the future holds, put your hope in the one who holds the future. When you don't know what the future holds, put your hope in the one who holds the future. Look what he says here. He says this. He says, through the resurrection... Through the death burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, that is undefiled, that is unfading, and that is kept in heaven for you. When you don't know what the future holds, put your hope in the one who holds the future. Where is your hope? Is your hope in the things of the world? Well, then you are going to lose your hope. But if your hope is kept in heaven, you don't lose your hope because you have a living hope. That you're not the one who holds on to your hope because it is kept for you in heaven. He is the one who holds on to your hope. If coronavirus has taught me anything, is that most of my life... In the situations that I am in, I am hoping in things of this world. I am looking forward to things of this world. But the coronavirus has shown me that I need a bigger hope. I need a better hope. I need a stronger hope. I need to look forward to the hope that is kept for me in heaven. If you hope in things of the world, you will be disappointed. If you hope for the things of heaven, you will never be disappointed. If you hope for the things in this world, then you will be left unsatisfied. But if you hope for the kingdom of God and the fullness thereof, then you will be satisfied. Where is your hope? Is your hope in the world or is in your hope in heaven? Listen to how he says it. He says that you have a hope that is an inheritance. Do you know what an inheritance is? An inheritance is a blessing that is given to you because you're a part of the family. When you become a Christian, you are adopted into the family of God. That all of the blessings, all of the rights, all of the benefits of God are now given to you. All of the access to the Father is now given to you. Everything in heaven now is given to you. You have an inheritance. But even more than that, the hope of heaven is that this inheritance is imperishable. So many things that we're hoping in are very perishable. Anybody notice that? They're very perishable. They're here today, and then they are gone tomorrow. But there is a hope that is here today, that is for you tomorrow, and that is also for you two billion years into the future. It is imperishable. He also says that it is undefiled, that it will never fail you. It will never give up on you. He will never let you down. He will never forsake you. He will never turn his back on you. He will never forget you. This hope is undefiled and it is unfading. That when Jesus says he loves you, he loves you. When Jesus says he saves you, he saves you. When Jesus says he forgives you, he forgives you. When Jesus says he is there for you until the end of the age, that means he is there for you today, he is there for you tomorrow, and he is there for you two billion years into the future. This is a living hope that is an inheritance, that is imperishable, that is un. Fading and that is undefiled. I think this is why when Jesus was encouraging his disciples in Matthew 6, he talks to them by saying this Do not store up your treasures here on earth where moth and rust. Can destroy And where thieves break in and steal. But instead, store up your treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, your heart is. Maybe another way that we could say that is this. Do not store up your hope here. Where the coronavirus and stock markets can disappoint you. But store up your hope in heaven. Where nobody can take your hope from you. Because he keeps it for you. Where nobody can steal your hope from you. Because Jesus gave it to you and where your heart is, your hope is. This Easter, I want to ask you, where is your heart? Because that's where your hope is. Have you given your heart to Jesus? Have you given your life to Jesus? If you give your life to Jesus, you have a living hope. You don't have a dead hope You have a living hope. Your hope is not in the grave. Your hope is not buried. Your hope has been resurrected with Jesus. You don't have a dead hope. You have a living hope. And you don't have to lose your hope because your hope is still alive. That on the third day, he resurrected and then he ascended to the right hand of the Father, where Peter says, He gives you hope today, he gives you hope for tomorrow, and he gives you hope for the future. Some of you today, you need a living hope. Some of you, you need a living hope for today to give your life to Jesus. You're not connected to Jesus. You have not been born again into a living hope. If you're watching and listening, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. I want to give you permission to give your life to Jesus today. In the comments section, there is a link. Click on that link, fill out the online form, and someone from our prayer team is going to reach out and they're going to connect you to the church and they're going to pray with you. Give your life to Jesus today. Some of you, you need a hope for tomorrow. You've been living in normal for way too long. God doesn't want you to go back to normal. The resurrection means you can be new. You can have a new life in Him both now and forever. And then some of you need a hope for the future. You need to know that there is a hope that no one can take from you, that though the world may fail you, He will never fail you. You need a hope that is certain. You need a hope that is secure. You need a hope that is kept for you in heaven. Those of us who put our hope in Jesus Christ, we know where our hope is. Our hope is in the one who beat death. Our hope is in the one who resurrected from the grave. Our hope is the one who conquers Satan, sin, hell, death, and the grave. Our hope is alive because Jesus is our living hope and he is high and he is exalted. exalted and he is the name above every name and he is at the right hand of the father and redemption church good news for you today jesus holds our hope if you need hope i want to give it to you today there is hope for today you have hope for tomorrow and because he lives you have a living hope both now and forever into the future